You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and uh, we're delighted to be reaching across the, the Atlantic again to a westerly point in Ireland where we're going to have a chat with Philip King, who is the founder of Other Voices, Sound Wind Blows and Ireland's Edge. But today we're going to talk to Philip about Ireland's Edge. And uh, it's an interesting uh, thing that's going on there. It's Ireland's Edge, Edge is an annual gathering facilitating cross-disciplinary connecting and thinking, sparking momentum for positive change where arts, tech, music, science and business converge. And what's even more interesting and makes everyone jealous is it goes on in Dingle. So <laughs> a lovely part of Ireland and a fantastic concept. Uh, Philip, welcome. You're very nice to be speaking with you, Austin. I hope all is well in Canada. Uh, I'm sure all is always well in Canada this time of the year when the temperatures drop and the snow falls and we're in for the winter freeze, unlike probably on the tip of Ireland looking out over the Atlantic. Sure. I mean, I often at this time of the year take out my um, Joni Mitchell blue record recorded back in 1971 and listen to that very plangent introduction on the piano as she has taken a a quote from the old Jingle Bells medley and um, written the, the, I suppose, what's become an Advent song for Christmas, if you like. It's coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees, they're putting up reindeer singing songs of joy and peace. Oh, I wish I had a river that I'd skate away on. Um, Always think of Joni and and, and Canadian music at this time of the year, actually, and Neil Young and Four Strong Winds. And I think of my old friend Daniel Lamroy, who produced U2 and many, many others, including Bob Dylan. And uh, from his people come from Gatineau in Canada, French-speaking Canada. Just across the river from us. Yes, and um, we've. this is an Irish-speaking area here in West Kerry, so we have an affinity with uh, people of dual language in Canada, and um, we'll say hello to them as well. Brilliant. Well, Gatineau is just across the river in the National Capital Region, and mm-hmm. uh, you can skate on the river between Ottawa and Gatineau. Fantastic. Well, Philip, before we talk about Ireland's Edge, let's talk about mm-hmm. Other Voices. Other Voices has been a tremendous venue for emerging talent, and uh, some huge names have... I suppose had their careers launched there and one that would be known at this stage over this side of the Atlantic very well, of course, is Hosier, but very many more also. Tell us a bit about other voices. Well, I moved to this part of the world about 22 years ago and um, I'd come here as a child and I fell in love with this part of the world for a number of reasons. One, because of the language, one, because of the music, another reason, because of the sheer physical beauty of the place and the community here. And um, I had been travelling the world as a musician or as a, I suppose, a musical expeditionary, if you like, one way or the other, and either singing or playing music or capturing music on film. I'd made a series called Bringing It All Back Home for BBC television back in 1990. And um, on that journey to uh, out into the world, we I, I, I took a journey and asked the question, where does Irish music go um, and what happens to it when it leaves here and what happened to it when it left here and between one thing and another I eventually ended up in West Kerry and um, there's a beautiful church on the main street in Dingle called the Church of St. James and myself and Glenn Hansard um, your listeners may know Glenn very well he played with a band called The Frames um, won an Oscar for um, Falling Slowly uh, from the film Once uh, a wonderful musician, and um, 
a great guy and we were sitting here one day saying to ourselves, wouldn't it be wonderful to invite a bunch of friends to come and play some music in West Kerry and join some local musicians. And at that time, people like Damien Rice and Damien Dempsey and Glenn and many others were, I suppose, you know, you know, making a sound that was redolent of Ireland at that time. And the interesting thing about music and song is that it's a very eloquent, I suppose, reflector of what goes on in a society. And Frank Hart, the great balladeer and ballad singer and ballad collector, used to always say to me, you know, if you want to know the facts, consult a history book. If you want to know what it felt like, ask a singer. And we began to, I suppose, encode or document or film or capture the sound of a country at that time. And we've continued to do so then over the last 16 years. And here we are 16 years later with, you know, a, a very large amount of people about to come to Dingle over the next couple of days and to sit down and to talk and to sing and to play um, in that way that we do here with that magical atmosphere. And um, we're very much looking forward to it. And I'm envious. I wish I could be there. It's one of the things on my bucket list is to actually get to Dingle during other voices. Sure, it'd be great, um, yes. Well, uh, certainly for anybody with any interest, not just in uh, Ireland, but in Irish music and not just traditional music, but you know, it, uh, other voices has everything. It has the scenery, it has the atmosphere, it has the, the performers. So, yes, yeah, definitely on the bucket list. So then um, we, we uh, also introduced you as uh, the South Wind Blows. Sure. And uh, you, uh, you reached the world uh, weekly, at least with that. And uh, tell us a little about that and, bef- and make sure we let everybody know where and when they can catch you with that. Sure. The South Wind Blows is a radio program that I've been doing here for... Again, 16 years, and I suppose the South Wind Blows and uh, other voices are very linked in many ways because I started playing a lot of that music that I mentioned on the radio, and it's situated right at the most westerly tip of the Dingle Peninsula. I come from a, a little radio studio, which is RT Radio Nogalfitna, which is the Irish language service of the public service broadcaster here, RTE. And I, you know, I gather up my records and uh, tip over there every Saturday evening at 10 o'clock. And it, by magic, really, in that, in that way, the, the mask outside sways a little in the wind. The red light is on in the studio. And, you know, it's a privilege to sit in front of a microphone and speak from this place to the world. And radio still has that great warmth in it, doesn't it? Um, I remember as a child, my father coming home one day and unwrapping a brown paper parcel. And he, 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 when he unwrapped it there, sitting on the kitchen table was an old pie radio. And we plugged it in and smelled the valves heat up and looked at the green pilot light and tuned into the world. And even in these days of Twitter and Facebook and in these days of Instagram and Google and all those means by which we collapse distance and time with each other, there is still something warm and human and tactile about the radio and the warmth of sitting in front of a microphone um, and being able to have the privilege, as I said, to play some music and to speak to the world from your home place. And it's a privilege, and I really do appreciate it. See, I always look on it, Philip, that radio is a conversation between two people. Sure. It's intimate. Mm-hmm. 
and and radio engages. People listen to radio individually. That's right. And that's the wonder. That is the beauty of it. And, you know, when you may say you sit there in the microphone, you're talking to the world. I know always when the microphone is on, I look on it. I'm having a conversation with one person. And I don't know necessarily who that one person is, but that's mm -hmm. who I'm talking to. And I love it. I love that part of it, too. It's so intimate. Of course. It's just warm. It's just warm. And in, in the coldness of the sort of virtual communication that's there, it still seems to hold sway. Um, as you say, because it does seem to be that conversation that happens. It's almost like a duet when two musicians sit down and play to and for each other. And I think that radio, radio still maintains that intimacy of and that quality of connection. You know, um, many people are looking for our attention, and uh, the attention merchants, as Tim Wu, the great writer on sort of all communications and modern technology, has it, um, are vying for our time. But there is something about listening to the radio and engaging with the radio still, almost, and I love that quality. So, Philip, moving along to Ireland's Edge, which is where you are at the moment, and uh, another gathering that's facilitating cross-disciplinary connecting and thinking. Well, I mean, Ireland's Edge, and we say to ourselves, in this modern world, and the modern world where um, we're thinking about um, Trump and we're thinking about Brexit and we're thinking about the digital changes that are coming down the track and we're thinking about the definition of work and we have some anxieties about what robotics and artificial intelligence and augmented reality and virtual reality will do to what we call work. We hear phrases like the gig, the gig economy and we wonder in Ireland how in Ireland do we differentiate ourselves and how do we look and define what might be Ireland's edge or its competitive advantage? And what sort of things do we have in our in our reticule, if you like, in our what assets do we have? And I've always felt that we have a really natural a natural resource of imagination here, which is informed the creation of remarkable intellectual property, whether it's in language or literature, or whether it's in film or drama or in music. And we have gifted many things to the world through this gift of imagination. But also, it's the same resource of imagination that will create the new book or the new play, but it's also the same resource of imagination that will design the new piece of tech or the new chip or whatever. And the things that are inherent in the, the ability to make those leaps really are, in, in, are, are a vulnerability. Brene Brown says that vulnerability is the mother of invention, um, if you like. And I, I tend to agree with that. Um, the education system in Ireland traditionally stigmatized failure. And I think we're beginning to move away from that and find a different way of going about the education process. I was thinking recently that um, if you looked at the depictions of Irish people as they left here and landed in, you know, the Americas after the famine, you would be looking at people who looked poor, who seemed as if they carried nothing of value with them. I don't believe that to be true. I think that people carried in their heads and their hands and their feet a remarkable a gift and a resource of remarkable value. They carried the songs, the stories, the dances, and the rhythms of their own place. And recently I was reading a poem by the Donegal poet Moya Cannon, 
um, it's called Carrying the Songs. And she says it was always those with little else to carry who carried the songs to Babylon, to the Mississippi. Some of these last owned less than nothing, did not own their own bodies. And she goes on to say, for those who left my country, girls from Downings and the Rosses, who carried, who followed the herring boats north to Shetland, gutting the seas silver as they went, or boys from Ranafast who took the dairy boat and slept over a rope, then a bothy. Songs were their soul's currency, the pure metal of their hearts, to be exchanged for other gold, for other songs, which ring out true and bright and flung down upon the deal boards of their days. So when we think about that, and we think about what people carried with them, when we think the indelible thumbprint that Irish music has made on the music that comes out of the United States and out of Canada, the dances, and when we think of the music of Cape Breton, and we think of country music, and we think of bluegrass, and we think of Tin Pan Alley, and we think of George M. Cohen, and Harrigan and Hart, and you know, we think of all of that music which has been, I suppose, intimately affected by what has emanated out here, we would say that these people did in fact carry something of immense value. Because not alone did they carry the songs and the tunes, but when they arrived in on the other side, um, they collided with technology, were recorded for the first time and were sent back to us. And we, in a funny, peculiar sort of way, were influenced by the music that we sent to America being encoded onto 78 records, 78 RPM records and wax cylinders and sent back to us in Ireland. And we were influenced by that as well. So it's a remarkable journey. So at Ireland's Edge, we, with a group of very interesting, diffuse and diverse people, um, begin to, I suppose, have a conversation about who we are, where we might be going, what assets we have. So people from the foreign direct investment community, people from Microsoft and people from Nokia Bell Labs and people from Intel, people from the government's apparatus, artists and, and thinkers and journalists, the editor of the Observer newspaper, John Mulholland, will be here and sit down together to talk out where we are, where we might be going and how best we can navigate the little journey that's ahead of us um, as Ireland heads towards 2021, towards 100 years of independence and wonder, wondering maybe how do we now take our place in the world. And that idea of migration is very much part of what we're doing as well. We have millions and millions of people, as you well know, but many of them sitting there might be your listeners have left here. Um, and we're, we're wondering, you know, how, how do we best collapse the distance between those who, who remained at home and those who left? And how do we pull ourselves together as a sort of a global nation of people and take our place among the nations of the world? When you mention that, Philip, it's interesting. A few years back, a member of the um, embassy in Ottawa mentioned to me that the migration that was happening at that time, and this was uh, just around the end of the Celtic Tiger, but that you had highly educated Irish people emigrating. And he said the difference between the Irish then and the Irish now was that when the Irish uh, emigrated in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they felt very much that they were Irish, but that the Irish now see themselves as citizens of the world.
Well, I mean, I would I would agree with that because I mean, we, 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 we you know, there is a globalization process. We live in a global world. We live in a world where distance has been collapsed. If I say it again, we live in the world where it's easy to come and go, or much easier to come and go than it was. And um, interesting figures as well. You know, when you think about it, seventeen percent. 17% of citizens living in Ireland were now born outside of Ireland, and 17% is the number of Irish people who have migrated out of Ireland. So Ireland is a changing place, and we're beginning to understand a little more um, about what it is to be a migrant, and we see what's happening in Syria and Aleppo, and the tragedy of what's happening with those people coming across the Mediterranean. I think something in our race memory and something in our heart really does have an affinity and an understanding of what that must be like. When you mention that, it is very obvious when visiting Ireland now, particularly in urban areas and Dublin, the larger areas, that there is a change in the demographics in Ireland. Mm -hmm. But has that reached Ireland's edge? Oh, yes, I think it has. But there is no doubt about that. I mean, we will be talking to um, several people from Poland, from Africa, and uh, from, and from Syria um, as part of this conference, as part of the migration nation element of this conference. And we will also be talking to those people who have left and who have gone away and who, have, who are looking at Ireland from abroad and looking for their advice and insights in that context. So, Philip, when the conference wraps up, and very few of us will have the ability to attend, unfortunately, will any of the discussions be available online or through the website or any place like that for... They will, oh, yes, they will, and they will be streamed to our Facebook site, our Ireland says Facebook site. So, on the day, anywhere in the world that you are, you can log on to... Um, if you log on to irelandsedge.net, um, you, that's 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 the handle you need to log on to. Um, you will find um, a link there to a Facebook stream for Ireland's Edge, and there it will be in in, in and and all of it is there and available, and you can connect with us as well, and you can send questions as well. So I mean that's all you know. The technology is so enabling. That and way. subsequently, will the discussions be available as podcasts? Yes, they will. Excellent. And of course, what we're talking about is Friday, December first, and Saturday, December second. That's right. And while it's your time, 9.30 a.m., so definitely the early uh, sessions that you have will be podcast sessions that are needed over here. Correct. And again, you mentioned some of the people who are participating in that you have John Monholland. I see Mern Nicolaf is uh, on board there with you That's also. Right. She'll be playing and singing, yeah. And Professor Genevieve Bell. That's right. Um, yeah, Genevieve Bell will be there. She's coming to us from Australia. And so just a fantastic cast of people. But I think the best way for your listeners is to, is to log on to um, IrelandEdge.net and the full rundown of us there is there. Philip, thanks a million for taking the time. It's been fascinating. As I say, you're on my bucket list to get there. And I, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> The only problem is that there's never enough time and, you know, I do when I get to Dingle the next time I have to drop into Mazza Flaherty as well. Well, listen, you know what they say, the man that made time made plenty of us. <laughs> I know, but he's still, with, even with technology, we can still only be in one place at a time. That's right. That's right. We haven't figured out by, we'll lo have, by we, location. We, we'll, have to, we'll, we'll, we'll have to beam That's you up. <laughs> <laughs> Philip King, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's been 
most enjoyable chatting and uh, have a tremendous conference and I'm sure under no doubts it will be a roaring success and I definitely will be finding you on Facebook and keeping an eye and start seeking out the podcast afterwards and again uh, what we will urge is irelandsedge.net is the website that's it. And there's a Facebook page there also where you can find Ireland's Edge. And you can listen to Philip on Saturdays and uh, go to the RTE player. And you will find him there. And the south wind blows. And it's a fantastic program. It's a wonderful program. And as you say, uh, Philip, you know, there's an intimacy about it when your advice is coming across the airwaves. Thank you so much. Thanks a million.